Well, good morning. It is good to see you. Thanks for being here. As Didi just said, my name is Daniel. I'm one of the pastors, and uh, I'm glad that you've decided and chosen to be with us this morning. If you are newer uh, to Christ Central, uh, we know it's hard to connect in this time, and, and so please let us know you're here. We would love to connect with you and get to know you. Uh, as Didi also said, today is the beginning of the second week of Advent. Uh, we are doing an Advent sermon series titled, Come Lord Jesus. Advent is a season for Christians to watch and wait for Jesus to come. We live between the times, the time of Jesus' first and second coming. And in Jesus' first coming, he purchased redemption and salvation through his life, death, and resurrection. But salvation is not fully revealed. We all still face the reality that our world is shattered. Our lives are shattered. Life is not the way it's supposed to be. And has not 2020 been a megaphone that life's not meant to be this way? And so we wait and we yearn and we long, we hope and we pray, come Lord Jesus. And when Jesus comes the second and final time, he will consummate what he started in his first coming. The salvation of God will be fully revealed and fully experienced. The dark age of sin and death will pass away The new age of peace with God, peace with others, and peace with this world will be forever. I think our culture has hijacked the four weeks before Christmas Day and turned it into a season of getting into the Christmas spirit. We start early singing, it's the most wonderful time of the year. We begin decorating Christmas cookies, we drive around and we look at Christmas lights, we tell stories of Santa, and in a normal year, children will be sitting on Santa's lap asking for presents. And I'm not poo-pooing all of that. My family, we do a good bit of that. But I am saying that Advent is so much more than just getting into the Christmas spirit. And here's the reality. All of you, if you're here inside or outside or you're streaming, could be shopping right now, buying presents, getting into the Christmas spirit. But you're here. You're here because I think in some way we know We need to hear God's voice, that our greatest need in this moment is to hear the good news of the gospel proclaimed to our hearts and our minds. And we're going to hear God's voice from the prophet Isaiah this morning. The role of a prophet was to speak for God. They weren't just telling the future, though sometimes that was part of what they were saying, what God wanted to say, which is true of our passage today. But when a prophet would speak, they would speak God's words to God's people, and it was a loud call to listen and respond. It's not like us listening to a podcast on a walk or a run where we could press pause and then hit restart and take bits and pieces of the podcast in. It's not like a preacher preaching a sermon where we can critique what we like and don't like what we want to respond to and not respond to. When a prophet spoke, the people of God listened. When a prophet spoke, there were two different kinds of oracles that they would declare. They would either declare an oracle of blessing or an oracle of cursing or woe. Now that's a very important thing for us to understand for our passage in Isaiah chapter 40. Because for 39 chapters, Isaiah chapter 1 through 39, the prophet Isaiah has been declaring oracles of woe to the people of God. And these woes, these curses have been coming to Israel because they were living in opposition to what God had called them to be. 
They were a divided society, divided between the haves and the have-nots. They were neglecting the poor. They were engaging in idolatry and false uh, and the worship of false gods. They looked much more like the world than they did the people of God. And Isaiah chapter 39 ends with, with some really brutal news. That because of their rebellion, the people of God would be carried away into exile in Babylon. In our passage, Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 11, it marks a major break in the book of Isaiah. So dramatic that many scholars think that what was written is, com- is by a completely different person than who wrote Isaiah chapters 1 through 39. 39 chapters, oracles of woe, and now God in Isaiah chapter 40 speaks an oracle of blessing. God proclaims good news. And so if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand, as is our custom, to give attention to the reading of God's word from Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 11. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. As our passage says, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but God's word endures forever. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you would proclaim Holy Spirit, to our hearts and to our minds, the good news of the gospel. That we would have ears to hear and our hearts would be receptive so that we might leave here transformed, having been with you, having heard from you. I do pray that the words of my mouth, the preacher, would be pleasing. The meditations of all of our hearts who are listening to you to speak to us would be pleasing. Speak to us, Lord. You are our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. I don't know if you've ever seen or been part of an intervention. I heard a pastor describe Isaiah 40 as an intervention, which I think is brilliant. Uh, Intervention is when someone who's caught in addiction, right, a behavior that is destructive, uh, and this person's unwilling to speak up, so a group of people, family, close friends, plan and intervention. Most often it is coordinated by a trained counselor or a therapist, which we have many in our congregation, so you know more about interventions than I do. But in this coordination, there's a plan. 
to bring the person who's in addiction to a designated spot. And when they arrive, everybody is already there. And each person begins to speak into the addict's life. One person after another after another speaks from their heart or they read something that they wrote from their heart to the person. They'll say things like, I love you so much. I miss you. You haven't been the same since. I care for you. I love you. Person after person after person speaks from their heart to the addict. And the hope is that, would be that, that after this intervention that the person in addiction would finally hear and immediately go with the counselor into treatment. Now the question is why do you think so much planning has to go into an intervention? Why not talk to the addict one-on-one and just suggest that they go to treatment? Here's why. The addiction is so loud. The addiction is so loud before any movement or any traction happens, person after person after person needs to say, I love you, I miss you, I care for you, so that maybe then the addict listens. For 39 chapters, Israel has been hearing bad news. And then they are told devastating news. Because of their destructive behavior and rebellion, they'll be carried away into exile in Babylon. And the people of God will live in exile for 70 years. Isaiah 40 is an oracle of blessing, good news to be proclaimed to those living in exile. The recipients of this good news have received 39 chapters of woe and are experiencing decades of exile. 70 years of being displaced and having no home. 70 years of oppression in a foreign land, 70 years of other gods being worshiped over your God. Can you imagine how loud the darkness must have been for the people of God? Can you imagine how easy it would be to lose hope? So Isaiah says in verse two, cry to Jerusalem. Verse three, a voice cries. Verse six, a voice cries. What shall I cry? Verse nine, Herald of good news, lift up your voice with strength. Why cry with such consistency and with such volume? Because maybe with consistent loud cries of proclaiming good news after good news after good news, movement and traction will happen in the heart of God's people. The good news will become more real than the bad news. One of my favorite all-time movies uh, is Shawshank Redemption. I know it's older now, but still one of my favorite all-time movies. The story of Andy Dufresne, a banker convicted of murdering his wife and her lover. He's given two life sentences and sent to the notorious Shawshank State Prison. And Andy maintains his innocence, uh, and Andy becomes close friends with another inmate, Red, who's played by Morgan Freeman. Ultimately, this movie is about hope in the midst of a situation where it would be easy to lose all hope. And and there's this constant dialogue between uh, Andy and Red that's so good. And at one point, Red tells Andy, hey, these walls are funny. First you hate them, then you get used, used to them, and enough time passes so that you begin to depend on them. Those are good words to heed for the person living in exile. Israel's at a dangerous place. 
The bad news of exile is so loud, the people of God could get used to the walls of Babylon, assimilate into its values, its customs, even worship like Babylon. The danger is enough time passes that you become accustomed to life there in Babylon. You begin to depend on the walls and the ways of Babylon, so much so that there's a loss of hope for the way life was intended to be. This is why Isaiah says, cry out, cry out, cry out, so that the good news becomes more real than the bad news. Christians, if you're a Christian, we are people who are living in exile. The world is not our home. And we need to be aware of the danger of becoming too accustomed to this world, to getting used to the walls, so that the customs of this world become our customs, the values our values, the things worshipped our objects of worship, so that the people of God begin to look more like the world than the people God has called us to be. We can easily assimilate into the ways and the culture of exile so that we begin to lose hope for life in the way God intended it to be. 2020 has been a long year, full of a lot of bad news. And I think we've been reminded that we live in a shattered world. And I'm sure your personal life has felt shattered at times. We are not home yet. My prayer and my hope is that God is using this hard time to wake us up to hope by preparing us to hear the good news of the gospel so that as the good news is proclaimed over and over and over, it becomes louder and more real than the bad news of exile. So what is the good news of this gospel that we see in Isaiah chapter 40? Three things that's true about this good news. The first is that it's good news of a renovation plan. It's the good news of a renovation plan. The reality is that we live in a world of haves and have-nots. Being a missionary after college, I went to East Asia for a number of years, I flew on a good amount of international flights. And I always want, as a 23, 24-year-old, I always wanted to be on the other side of that curtain. If you've been on a flight, you know that curtain that tells everybody if you're in, in the front, you're first class, if you're behind it, you're just common. I wanted to be in the I want to be in front of it. I want to be first class always. The curtain makes it clear. Who are the haves? Who are the have-nots? Even in using that illustration, I realize that there are people who've never flown on an airplane, much less an international flight. The ability to fly makes it clear who are the haves and the have-nots. In many cities, the wealthy and the elite, they live on the hills overlooking the city. Or if you're in an urban area, the elite live in the penthouses overlooking this city. Where you live can make it clear who are the haves and who are the have-nots. This is the way that our society has been built. And the good news is that in God's coming, he is going to renovate what has been built and create a new society. Isaiah says in verse 4, every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill be made low, uneven ground made level, rough places a plain. That God is renovating tearing down walls, rebuilding new structures to form a new society. That those who are pushed out will be welcomed in. Those who are oppressed will be lifted up. It's what Mary, the mother of Jesus, sung about in Luke chapter 1. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. 
He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he sent away empty. And do we not see that that is how King Jesus lived on earth in his first coming? Jesus was always meeting and healing the sick. He always spent time with sinners and would forgive them. He met outcasts and would invite them into community. The good news of God's renovation, this leveling of mountains and raising valleys, it's not about topography. It is about the renovation of people's hearts, that pride is flattened and the crushed in spirit are raised up so that a new society is birthed. No longer the haves and the have-nots, but a unified, dignified, humble people who are loving God and loving others. And for this new society to be birthed, it means renovation happens in the hearts of people. And it is hard to admit that every single one of us needs radical heart surgery. I think we all would rather look at other people's deficiencies and faults than confess our own. Each of us need to confess our pride, our greed, our slander of others. For repentance is the way that we prepare for God's coming. Repentance is the way that we make room for God to renovate our hearts so that a new society is birthed in and through us. The second thing we see about this good news is that God's word stands forever. Verse 6, a voice says, cry, what shall I cry? The grass withers, flowers fade. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely people are like grass. Grass withers, flowers fade. The word of our God will stand forever. If you've been coming or been around at all here at Christ Central, you know that we often quote this verse after reading the passage that's going to be preached on like I did today. And my fear in doing that is, is that this verse just becomes a nicety that we quickly say after the passage before we preach. Like, like kind of like, okay, now y'all are ready. Let's, let's get into the sermon. But it's so much more than that. This verse is good news. It is saying that we live in a world where there's nothing we can count on for sure. We think we can count on family or government or bank accounts or leaders or pastors, but all of these things are perishable and will fade away, either because of time or because of a change of circumstance. And if we put our ultimate hope in anything of this world, though they be good, we will be greatly disappointed because they will fail us. Family fails us. I fail my family all the time. Elected officials fail us. The stock market fails, fails us. Leaders fail us. Pastors and churches fail us. The good news that Isaiah is crying out is that God never fails. As we live in a shattered world waiting for exile to be over, the one thing we can count on is God's word. When God says he will do something, he will do it. The promises of God are sure. When all else fades and all else fails, the word of our God will stand forever. That's why every one of us needs Sunday morning. It's this time that the good news of God's promises are proclaimed. That's why I would encourage you to read God's word daily. And let me encourage you 
to read God's word, not primarily asking what must I do, but read and look at what God promises he will do. Because each week we hear and we absorb and listen to the bad news of our world. So daily we need to hear God's promises. And each Sunday we need to hear someone herald this good news that God's promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. We need to hear it over and over and over so that the good news breaks through and movement and traction happens in our hearts. The last thing that we see about this good news in Isaiah 40 is that it's good news of tender care. Verse 5 tells us that the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. God's good news is that Jesus is in Jesus' coming, he will bring salvation and rescue for the whole world. But verse 11 tells us that he will tend to us like, uh, uh, he will tend to his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them and gently lead those that are with young. The good news of Jesus is for the whole world, but it is also news for you. There's a tenderness and a gentleness promised for you. This good news is personal, God with you. Do you feel exhausted, weak, hurting, alone? God wants to comfort you. What's going on in your life? Relational difficulties, family difficulties, financial difficulties, health issues? He cares for you particularly. He knows exactly what you're going through, and he wants to be gentle and kind. He wants to pick you up in his strong arms and carry you. St. Augustine wrote in his confessions, God says, run the race. I'll carry you. I'll carry you clear to the end, and even at the end, I'll carry you. So here we are waiting and longing. Are we getting too accustomed to the brokenness of this world and the brokenness of our lives? Deep deep down, I think we all know this is not the way it's supposed to be. But are we just tired and worn out? And we're hearing the bad news over and over that, that we've lost hope or we are losing hope. And we're used to this world in which it's just not supposed to be this way. Can you hear the good news? Do you believe it? Let me ask it another way. What is the loudest thing in your head and in your heart right now? What's the loudest thing? Is it a physical problem? Is it your singleness? Is it the state of your marriage, a family concern, your financial state, your job? All of these things are big deals and God cares about each of them, but the problem is when these things are so loud that we cannot hear the good news of Jesus, which is why we need an intervention, a Holy Spirit intervention. The Holy Spirit speaking the good news of Jesus through other people, through his word, through his church and the sacraments, so that as the good news is cried out over and over and over, breakthrough happens. Movement and traction happens in our hearts, and we begin to hear the good news of the gospel, that God is building a new society. You can count on it. His promises and his word are true and sure, and God loves you, 
and God will carry you. We cannot fix our lives. We cannot fix this world. We cannot count on much, but we can count on Jesus. This is the good news. Do you hear it? Will you believe it? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the good news that is proclaimed to us through your word, through the preaching of your word, through others during the week. As we're getting ready to partake of this sacrament, it is proclaimed to us yet again. You know we need to hear it over and over and over because the volume of this world in which we live is so loud that we begin to believe the bad news more than the good news. And we need this good news to be more real to our hearts and our minds than the realities of exile that we live in. So set us free. Liberate us with this good news. Give us hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Said so the reason we come to this meal every Sunday.